Happy Friday morning, Orioles fans, and happy home opening day to everyone attending Camden Yards today. Enjoy it. One of the most special days of the year, without a doubt, on the baseball calendar. But this Friday morning, we are coming to you with one of our Patreon-exclusive episodes. We're going to release it to the main feed here. To give listeners a taste of one of the perks you can get by signing up for our Patreon, you go to patreon.com slash on the verge, check out our Twitter account, the link is there in our link tree, or check the show notes of this episode, you can sign up there. We have three tiers, $3 a month, $5 a month, and $10 a month. $3 a month, you get access to our WhatsApp group that is always active, major league game threads, minor league game threads, a lot of cool conversations taking place on the daily in the WhatsApp group. a month, uh, you get perks such as t-shirts for our $10 a month patrons. You get daily episodes now that the minor league season is in full swing, where every single morning we recap uh, the previous day's games. You can check out other resources that have daily recaps. They're really just regurgitating the box scores. They're not actually watching the games. We watch these games, myself, Bob, Zach, we're watching these games on a nightly basis, and we like to provide a little bit more context to what those box scores say give you a bigger detail of what actually happened across the Orioles minor league farm system the night before. We upload these every night, early morning for you guys to listen. Uh, We also update our top 50 prospect list monthly and release a bonus episode talking about the changes. No major, major tweaks, but as the season progresses, we watch more games, we get more information from the people we talk to, we make little tweaks throughout the year. So we update those and release a free episode for patrons. We also do Patreon-only bonus episodes throughout the season on whatever topics uh, come up. So definitely go to patreon.com slash on the verge, sign up. You get discounts. If you go ahead and sign up for a full year, you can get a 15% discount. Check out all the perks you get included. Give it a try for a month. See if you like it. But enjoy our first full Patreon exclusive daily episode recapping the Norfolk Tides week up to this point and then Bowie Bay Sox and Delmarva Shorebirds opening day victories. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hello, patrons, and welcome back to another daily recap episode, the one where we really start making them daily now that all four affiliates are in action. But let's start down in Norfolk, where we have a few games to talk about this week to catch up on the schedule here, since last time I came in and came on and did one of these dailies. Norfolk is at home this week, taking on the Gwinnett Stripers, the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. They started the series with Deal Hall on the mound in what ended up being Norfolk's first loss of the year on Tuesday. Just four hits for the offense and an uncharacteristic 14 strikeouts to just one walk for the offense after drawing 21 walks in the first three games of the season against Durham. But at least we saw Connor Norby, Jordan Westberg, and Maverick Hanley pick up hits in that game on Tuesday. Hanley also drew a walk and Ryan O'Hearn homered. The big story on Tuesday was obviously D.L. Hall, though. 
Three innings pitched, five hits, three runs, two walks, six strikeouts. He did need 70 pitches to get through those three innings. But here's what I loved about Hall's outing. He allowed just one hard hit ball. That's it. And that was the leadoff home run that he gave up. He also produced 15 whiffs, which tied for most in all of AAA on Tuesday, all in just three innings of work. So when I see all of those swings and misses and I see the dinks and the dunks doing most of the damage against him, I feel pretty confident in what we can see from Hall over the next few weeks as he continues to be stretched out after missing most of spring training, which is something I had to remind myself when I was watching him in this outing. He's still stretching out. He's still on this ramp-up period, and it's going to take a few starts, but really promising first outing down there in Norfolk. Obviously, it was a very classic D.L. Hall pitch count, not being able to work deep into games. But you see the swing and miss, and you see the severe lack of hard contact. I'm optimistic moving forward. The Tides did get back in the win column on Wednesday behind Orion O'Hearn, Grand Slam, and Lewin Diaz home run. O'Hearn also tripled in that game. As I said the other day on the first daily recap, I think the swing looks really good, and I don't think the Orioles are going to hesitate to use him in the majors should a need arise. Drew Rom got the start on Wednesday, and it looks like a pretty typical Drew Rom outing. Five innings, four hits, three runs, two walks, three strikeouts. He did have a few stretches where he struggled to find the zone. Not a lot of swing and miss at all, and that's probably the biggest thing that stood out in terms of being a typical of a Drew Rom outing. He did just recently lead this organization in strikeouts, but he did produce nine ground ball outs and had just four hard hit balls against him. Doesn't look like we got complete stat cast data on Rom's outing, but you can see that he topped out at 93.5 miles an hour, averaged about 92 there's more in the tank there, and I will confidently say that he's going to be a tick or two higher pretty soon. It's first start of the year, new environments, cold weather hanging around a lot of nights early on in the year. I'll take that kind of start as part of his ramp-up period as well. Last but not least, on Thursday afternoon, the most recent game down in Norfolk, dominant pitching. Pitching took a complete step forward as Ryan Watson and Chris Valamont combined for a two-hit shutout. It was five shutout innings from Ryan Watson and four from Chris Valamont. Watson had the strike zone close up on him late in the outing, but did finish with a final line of five innings, two hits, no runs, four walks, three strikeouts. And looking at StatCast, his most used pitch was the slider at 36%, and that slider produced seven whiffs on 10 swings. Absolutely beautiful numbers there. The curveball was the second most used pitch yesterday, 29%. It was particularly lethal early on, produced another five whips. He didn't need the fastball much because the slider and curve were so good. He did get seven relief appearances in AAA to end last year, but Thursday was his first AAA start on a day that was supposed to belong to Grayson Rodriguez. So, But now that we get this bigger peek behind the curtain with these AAA guys, I am curious to see... Uh, Watson's fastball more. He only threw a few, but located them very well, dotting the corners. Overall, Watson avoided the middle of the plate and was really effective. Uh, so I think, especially getting chases on that slider low and away, if you pull up his location chart on Baseball Savant, it, it's beautiful, especially when you look at the sliders. So when you're able to locate the fastball like he was, you're able to locate your other pitches, finish guys off with the slider. Watson executed it beautifully yesterday. Valamont looks the best he is, has looked, at least at the AAA level in this organization. He followed Watson and pitched just as well, throwing four no-hit innings, striking out four, walking two. I know the three of us have said for a long time now that the stuff is just too good to ignore, 
And while it was understandable that you know he was DFA'd over the winter, it was really great to see him stick around this organization to see if he could rebound from last year's performance in AAA. Like Watson, also he rarely used the fastball. Valamont was changeup heavy, at least according to StatCast here. 35% usage rate with the changeup, 7 whiffs on 11 swings, just 2 hard hit balls off of him. You couldn't ask for a much better outing from either of these guys today. At the plate, Connor Norby and Joey Ortiz kind of stole the show, had a pair of hits each. Norby has at least one hit in all six games this season. And Joey Ortiz put four balls in play, three of which were hit over 100 miles per hour. He had 103.3 mile per hour single, 108.5 mile per hour single, and then 101.7 mile per hour ground out. He also drew a walk. The bat is is very much for real. I think we can all see that even more now that we get access to some of this data. Hudson Haskin had a pair of hits, both up the middle, to give him a 300 average on the year now. And Lewin Diaz stayed really hot with a pair of uh, hits and a walk. The defense, which is his calling card, has been very, very shaky in his first couple of games. But I'll chalk that up to him settling into a new park. And the offense is certainly more than making up for it at this point. The only glaring negative stand out through the first six games here for Norfolk is obviously Colton Kowser, and it, it does hurt to say that. Kowser is just two for 24 with 10 strikeouts. He does have five walks, but the swing and miss has been massive. Back foot sliders are burying him with two strikes. Unable to catch up the fastballs in the outer half of the plate. It, it hasn't been pretty, and it's very clearly starting to get to him because early on in Thursday's game, he even slammed the bat down in frustration after one of the strikeouts. Yeah, I'm not a hitting coach, and I haven't talked to him, so I can't tell you what's going on in his head, but it is frustrating to see him come out of the gate so slow, especially after posting a 920 OPS in spring training. I'm just going to let Brink Ambler kind of do his work here and see if things can start clicking for Kowser before hitting the panic button. I understand, you know, we're talking about AAA performance now, but we saw him come out of the gate so slow last year, and then rake and buoy end of the year on a high note in AAA. I've broken down his numbers in AAA before, and it's pretty clear that he was settling in, but the schedule just kind of ran out on him. So it's concerning a little bit. It is frustrating, yes, most definitely. But am I panicking? Absolutely not. Not right now. Talk to me in, in a couple of weeks. So, tides are 5-1 and one to begin the year. Moving down the ladder to AA now, where the Bowie Bay Sox started their season in dramatic fashion, an 8-0 shutout. Norfolk was not the only affiliate yesterday to send two pitchers to the mound for a shutout victory. Bowie did the same with Justin Armbruster and Chase McDermott, who had a dazzling performance out there on the mound. Armbruster allowed no runs on five hits, struck out four, showcasing a much sweepier slider, deeper curveball. I think he just looks a lot more confident out on the mound this season. Clearly trusts his stuff a lot more. After his performance last year, I don't see him being in double-A for very long. Bit of a logjam up there in AAA that, of course, as we know, will work itself out. And Arm Brewster, I'm sure, will be one of the first arms called up. McDermott, though, just explosive. I don't know if there's a better way of describing his outing. No hits across four innings, just two walks, six strikeouts, pumping 97, 98 mile per hour fastballs, mixing in all of his breaking balls. It looked like the curveball was the pitch that he could just really finesse into the strike zone with ease. It was opening night for three more levels of baseball tonight. I watched Norfolk pitchers log a two-hit shutout in the afternoon and then Arm Brewster and McDermott do it in the evening. The high hasn't worn off yet as I'm recording this, so I'm going to be extremely excited about Chase McDermott's outing specifically. It wasn't one of his you know, four hits allowed, four walks, six strikeout performance where the stuff looks great, but the control is off like we saw so often last year in AA. 
He owned the mound tonight, and if he can continue to build on this, maybe the discussion surrounding Orioles pitching prospects finally begins to change a little bit. McDermott was flat-out dominant. As for the bats, just as dominant. Heston Kerstadt and Kobe Mayo, those two guys hitting back-to-back was what I was looking forward to the most from the time these break camp rosters were released, and they did not disappoint on opening night. Kerstad drilled a home run to dead center field, stole a base and drew a walk, then added another base hit later in the game. Mayo ripped an RBI double that scored Kerstad. Kerstad got into the scoring position there by stealing second base, so good play all around from these two. Mayo also drew two walks, pulled the Jalen Waddle celebration. Shout out to Miami Dolphins wide receiver uh, Jalen Waddle. These two combined to reach base six times. Huge, huge night for, for the power hitting duo there. Billy Cook made a great throw from right field to nail a runner early on in this one, then went one for four at the plate with stolen base. He was a bit of a nightmare when he got on base. Uh, pitcher and catcher, he had the, their full attention when he was on. If he could ever hit for a decent average, I think he could be a fascinating prospect in the system, but that has been the issue so far. John Rhodes, Dante Williams, and Connor Pavloni each had a hit. Shane Fontana, who is back in Bowie, had two hits himself. Cesar Prieto's 0 for 5 night was really the only disappointing part of Bowie's evening. The pitching is incredibly deep, though, in Bowie to start the year. The bats have a good mix of power and speed. You replace Gilbert Lara with Colin Burns in a few days, hopefully, and the lineup gets even deeper. Once again, Bowie is going to be must-see TV every single night. Moving down the high, the Aberdeen Ironbirds were washed out due to rain. They will debut on Friday night. That leaves just the Delmarva Shorebirds, who picked up an 11-7 win over the Salem Red Sox, a game that I really wanted to make the short drive down to. I wish I would have because we saw Jackson Holiday lead off this game with a double. He also walked. He was pretty busy at shortstop as well. Looked smooth and mature, well beyond just about any infielder you're going to see in low A. As I watched this game kind of unfold, I, I did forget how crazy these low A games can get, how bad the defense can be, and how quickly uh, even a 8, 9, 10 run lead can evaporate. But Holiday was sound as expected. Tonight was the Sammy Basayo show, though. We've waited a long time to see him play, and he did not disappoint in his full season debut. He hits a 454-foot home run as part of a 3-for-5 day at the plate. He also picked off a runner at second base. He's big, tall, strong, and surprisingly fluid hitter in the batter's box. I think he certainly exceeded my expectations of what I had of him and what I thought he would look like. I guess you can just kind of ignore my cautionary tale from Monday about a slow offensive start for Basayo like we saw for Creed Williams because maybe Basayo is just hashtag built different there. Anderson De Los Santos went one for five with a double in his full season debut. Trenton Craig doubled, drove in two, also stole a base. And shout out to Anthony Servidio who picked up a hit and two walks. Like I have to ask, is the walk god back? Uh, two walks in the first game of the season. He might be. Uh, uh, seriously, though, injuries have just kind of decimated his the early part of his career. I know it's taken a massive mental toll on him. And knowing what he went through mentally last year, I'm just really happy to see him start the year on a high note there. Elsewhere around the lineup, Creed Willems had two hits and two walks, including a double. He played first base, looked rough at the beginning of the game, but got a little bit more comfortable as the game progressed. Elio Prado homered a beautiful shot. He picked up three hits on the day. He's flashed a really intriguing bat when he's healthy. The problem is is just that he hasn't been healthy since coming over in that trade from Boston. I, I really honestly can't believe that he was acquired along with Noel with Romero in July of 2019 and that 
historic. If you are an active part of Orioles Twitter, you know that this was a historic Andrew Kashner trade. But now we're in 2023. Prado's still in low A, trying to stay healthy. But he's still just 21. So if he can stay healthy, the bat looks really good. He can find himself back on track pretty quickly. Uh, a few more notes here. Douglas Hodo didn't record a hit, but did walk twice. And then Carter Young, rough night for Carter Young. He went 0 for 6 with four strikeouts. Not really a good night for Young as he tries to prove his doubters wrong. Pitching-wise, it was a low-A pitching contest. Juan Nunez did get the start. He looked strong. Went just two and two-thirds, allowed three runs on four hits, two walks, but he did strike out four and showed off what already is a good slider and what I can only imagine being that's that's going to be his bread and butter pitch. It's going to be a fascinating pitch as he gets stronger, matures a little bit, and continues to develop. Uh, Moises Chasse really struggled to find the strike zone. He came in later in the game. He allowed two runs on three hits with two walks, no strikeouts. He really struggled to finish off hitters, especially when he got ahead in the count. He's still one of my favorite guys in this the lower levels, at least of this system, but definitely a rough night for his debut. And then Reese Sharp. Reese Sharp closed this one out with two no-hit innings and three strikeouts. Sounds good, but he also walked four. So I did like the slider. I like the curveball, but I did not like the control. He was a 20th round draft pick last year out of Indiana. Last year, he allowed just three runs in eight and two-thirds innings with 16 strikeouts with Delmarva. He did walk 11 last year, so walk's clearly an issue for him and something to watch as the season develops, but the secondaries are good. And so as long as he can you know, miss bats with the fastball and start to pound the strike zone a little bit more, we'll see how far he can go, but what a night it was in the system. It was a lot of fun to have more teams in action, dominant pitching in the upper levels of the minor leagues, top prospects performing well at the plate, Heston Kerstad continuing to dominate in what is just, I mean, it's got to be the most fascinating story in all of baseball, in my opinion. I know as Orioles fans, we hear about it all the time, the myocarditis, the hamstring, all the missed time, but truly, truly a fascinating story of what he is doing. Clean sweep for the Orioles affiliates, 3-0 and for the teams that were in action at least. All four teams are back in action on Friday night. Bruce Zimmerman will go for Norfolk as he looks to build on what was a really impressive first start. Connor Gillespie will pitch for Bowie, making his very first appearance in this system with a team that is not the Aberdeen Ironbirds. No clue who's going to pitch for Aberdeen because it's New Year's same Aberdeen. And, you know, the man we've hyped up a good bit this offseason, Alfred Vega, though, will go for Delmarva. So very excited to watch Delmarva again tomorrow night. In the meantime, happy Friday. If you're going out to home opening day for the big league squad, enjoy it. We will talk to you again later this weekend. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.